You're listening to the sermon podcast of Galveston Bible Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit galvestonbible.org. But mostly, from wherever you're listening, we hope that the Lord ministers to you through this week's message. So in a few minutes, we'll be looking at uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20. We're going to divert from our Ephesian series for one week today. Um, there's some slips back there on the center table and in the entryways you come in that have the references that we're going to be turning to if you want one of those. If you didn't bring your Bible, there might be one under the seat in front of you. If you've got good eyes, you can read it in here in the dark. So we're in a time of massive political, social, moral, and gospel confusion and upheaval in our country. We're going to talk about servant leadership. Because what we see in the world is we see leaders in all spheres and on all sides promoting their own interests at the expense of others and at, at the expense of the truth. And this has always been the standard of leadership in the world. There's nothing new about that. In this passage that we'll look at, Jesus contrasts the qualities of leadership in the world with those of leadership in his kingdom. So if you'd like to stand with me as we read God's word, we'll turn to Matthew chapter 20. And we'll read verses 20 through 28. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, What wilt thou? She saith unto him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, Ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of? and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, We are able. And he saith unto them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be the chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We pray that as we look into it today, Lord, you will show us uh, the truth of the kind of leadership that is a part of your kingdom. We ask, Lord, that as we walk with you, 
that you would engage us in leadership that you have for us and that we would accomplish your purpose in this world and in your kingdom. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down. So what's happening here in the text? Well, James and John are the two brothers that are being talked about here. They are the sons of Zebedee. Jesus nicknamed them Boanerges, the sons of thunder. We don't know if that's because of their personality or their father's personality, or maybe from this, their mother's personality. But that's what he nicknamed them, sons of thunder. So James and John come with their mom to Jesus and they say, okay, when you get in your kingdom, because they're expecting it to come right away, we want to sit on your right hand and on your left hand. We want to be second and third ruler in your kingdom. And this showed faith. I mean, they expected the kingdom to come. In fact, the disciples expected Jesus to set up his kingdom right up until the time he went back to heaven. They still ask him, okay, is it now that you're setting up your kingdom? And Jesus told him in Acts 1 7, you know, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons uh, that, the God, that God the Father has established. Um, but they were expecting the kingdom. So they asked, We want to be second and third ruler in your kingdom. Now, Jesus answered them. He had two issues with what they asked. First of all, he said, you really don't know what you're asking for because being in my kingdom is not going to look like what you think it's going to look like right now because I have a baptism that I am going to be baptized with and I have a cup that I have to drink from. And Jesus was talking about his suffering and death on the cross and God pouring out his wrath on Jesus for our sins. And they didn't understand that that had to come first before the kingdom comes. But Jesus said, okay, yeah, I, they said we're able to do that. And Jesus knew that in fact they would uh, take part in the alienation and the persecution and the martyrdom that would come uh, on the church. But his second objection was then, it's not mine to give. It's for them for whom it is prepared by the Father. So God the Father has already, already established that. All of our, we all have a place prepared for us in heaven. Jesus told, it, told us that if we're his children and he's going away, he's going away to prepare a place for us and then he's coming back for us. But it's not for him to appoint who's going to set on the right hand or his left hand. So the other ten apostles, they heard about this. Uh, obviously it wasn't a secret. Uh, so what was their response? Well, they were indignant and they were angry. And we can identify with that. I mean, if you have brothers or sisters or co-workers, you can probably identify with this. Or if when somebody cuts you off in traffic, or steps in front of you in the line at Walmart, 
you can identify with that, right? Who, I mean, who are you? What makes you better than me? Why are you going to ask that? And so the apostles were upset about this. And we can understand why. We should recognize, though, that Jesus didn't seem to be indignant about their question, and he didn't seem to be angry that they had asked that. Um, they just didn't understand what they were asking for. But the rest of the apostles, they were angry. And this was not the first time this issue had come up. We know at least one time earlier, Jesus has addressed this with the apostles. Let's look in Mark chapter 9 at an incident that had happened earlier. In Mark 9 and verses 33 to 35. Where it says, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and saith unto him, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. So they were walking down the road back to Capernaum, which was kind of their ministry center for a while. And probably other disciples with the apostles and Jesus walking on the way. And the apostles are arguing about, okay, when Jesus sets up his kingdom, who's going to be the greatest? Now, Jesus, when they got back to the house, he said, hey, guys, what were you talking about? What were you arguing about back there? And they didn't say. But Jesus, of course, knew. And he responded this way. He, it says in verse 35, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. Now, at times in the past, I've thought of that kind of as a, as a punishment. Okay, If you want to be first, I'm going to make you last. Well, that's not what it's saying. Based on what... Jesus said in Matthew, he's saying that in order to be a leader, you have to be a servant. In order to be a leader in Jesus' kingdom, you have to be a servant. So Jesus has addressed this issue on more than one occasion. So who's Jesus talking to here and how does this apply to us? You've probably heard the saying that all the Bible is for us, but all the Bible was not written to us. So when you're interpreting scripture, it always helps to identify who is being talked to here. Well, obviously Jesus is talking to primarily his 12 apostles. He called them to himself, apparently separated them out uh, because they were the ones that were having the issue, the dispute, and that's one of the principles of uh, Matthew 18 reconciliation is that you first deal directly with people and then if they don't respond then you bring in others to help. So Jesus dealt directly with the apostles and he's talking to them about resolving this. But I think 
there's also an application to us, and the reason I think that is if we look at what Jesus is contrasting here. Because what he's contrasting is the leadership of the nations, which is this world, and the leadership among you. Jesus is contrasting his kingdom to the world. So if we're part of his kingdom, this certainly has an application to us. Because the difference is between the world's kingdom and Jesus' kingdom. And if we're part of Jesus' kingdom by being born again, by having the Holy Spirit reside within us, by repenting of our sins and trusting Jesus as our Savior, then this applies to us, what Jesus is saying to the twelve apostles here. So you might be thinking, okay, Jesus is talking. This does have an application to me about leadership. This is how leadership is going to look in Jesus' kingdom. But you might be thinking, well, I am not a leader in Jesus' kingdom. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not a leader. This is not talking directly to me. It's talking to Christians, but not to me. Well, first of all, uh, if you're a husband or a wife or a parent or a supervisor at work, you have obvious leadership uh, responsibilities. But second, all Christians are called to a leadership position because all Christians are called by Jesus to be salt and light. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 Jesus says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That is a leadership position. Let your light so shine before men that it glorifies God and leads people to him, to Jesus. That is a leadership position that we all share as Christians, and it will look different for all of us. But I don't care if you're in grade school or if you're an elder in the church, or anything in between, if you're a member of God's kingdom, God has given you an assignment that is a leadership assignment in your life. So let's look at exactly what Jesus is teaching here. He starts off with what his disciples already know. He says, okay, you can see this world system, how it works. The princes are rulers, of the ethnos, the nations, they lord it over the people that they control. They lord it over them. They that are great, the big men, exercise power and privilege over them. And that's the way the world works. It still works that way. It always has worked that way. 
the people who are in power exercise that power over other people to control them, to increase their power. That's just the world's way. That's the way it works. And we can see that we've seen that this year for sure. That's just the way it is. That's what, the, that's what Jesus starts off with. Okay, you see this. This is how the world works. Then he says, but it shall not be so among you. This is not how leadership works in my kingdom. So how does leadership work under Jesus' authority? Well, whoever wants to be big among you, let him be your servant. Whoever wants to be the first, let him be your slave. Our relationship with others in God's kingdom is not a power relationship, okay, where we have power over other people. In God's kingdom, our relationship as leaders is to serve other people. And Jesus gives himself then as an example of the, of the divine model for leadership. He says, the Son of Man came to serve, not to be served. He gave his life a ransom for many. The purpose of Jesus coming here in his first coming was not to establish a kingdom to rule over men. It was to save us. He came to serve us and minister to us. The essence of our sin nature is selfishness. Okay, that's what our sin nature is all about. The nature that we inherited from Adam. We are naturally selfish people. Now when we're saved, our nature is changed. And we can begin to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, which is unselfish and giving. And that's why servant leadership is about serving. So what does this look like? for you and for me. We'll look just at four spheres of leadership that are mentioned in Ephesians. Chapter 5 and 6. Well, also chapter 4. Chapter 4, 5, and 6. And we'll start off with, just generally, in the world, what is your position as a Christian? Do you have a leadership position? And Paul here reiterates what Jesus said about being the light of the world. He says in verse, chapter 5, verse 8 of Ephesians, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And the details that Paul gives in these chapters are how to walk as children of light. In verse 2 of chapter 5, he says, And walk in love as Christ also loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So just as Jesus gave himself as, as an example, Paul gives Jesus Christ as an example of how to walk in love, how to serve as a leader. So let's look at a few specifics here. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll look at verse 31 and 35. 
These are some of the different realms where we may have leadership and may need to exercise servant leadership. Ephesians 5.31 says, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So in our marital relationships, God has called us to be servant leaders. God has called us to be a light to the world in that relationship that shows forth the relationship of Christ to the church. In chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 of Ephesians, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mightest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So in the child-parent relationship, we see that we have a responsibility to be servant leaders. Whether you're the parent or the child, you need to be the light to the world that draws people to Jesus and glorifies God. In our work, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, and with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but as the servant of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, he the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So in our work relationships, when we serve other people, we should serve them as serving Christ. I mean, we might not have a nice boss. That has happened. You may, may be aware of a situation when that has happened, that you don't have a nice boss. But as a Christian, we're not serving him. We're serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a leadership role in God's kingdom. Then he goes on to say in verse 9, And ye masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is their respective persons with him. Again, a leadership role to show servant leadership, to show the image of Christ to people who work for you. Then in in chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, Paul talks about spiritual warfare. We're, we are to be leaders in the kingdom in spiritual warfare. And to do that, we have to be servants. He talks about putting on the armor and how the enemy attacks us in different ways and the ways that we can use the armor to defend ourselves and to attack the enemy. The main, the main thing being prayer that we need to pray as we engage the enemy. And finally, in the church, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul goes into some detail about the leadership of the church and how it works. He talks about the purpose being 
the, for the leadership to bring maturity to all the believers so they can minister or serve and so build up the church, the body of Christ. So there's servant leadership here again. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4 and read verses 11 through 16. Ephesians 4.11, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth no more be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Paul's using the metaphor of a human body. All the parts have to work together in order for that body to be healthy, and the more you exercise your body, the stronger it gets. Paul's saying that the more we exercise our gifts to one another and minister to one another and serve one another in the body, the stronger we get and the more able to withstand all this deceit that is going around, all these false teachings and doctrines that we shouldn't have to scratch our head about that if we are in relationship with one another and serving one another. Well, Peter certainly remembered the teaching that uh, Jesus had taught because in his letter he uh, references it and quotes Jesus. In 1 Peter, we look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 1 through 4. Peter says, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So when Peter says in verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, he's using the same words that Jesus used when he said, the nations of this world, the leaders lord it over the people. And Peter's saying, don't do that. Jesus said, that's not the way it is in my kingdom. And that's what Peter, the advice that Peter's giving here to the elders of the churches that he's writing to. So Jesus teaches that leadership in his kingdom is not the same as leadership on this earth, in this world. Rather than domineering and subjugating others, we are to lead by serving others. We're to follow the example of Jesus who came to sacrifice himself and to serve us. 
As followers of our leader Jesus, we are all given leadership roles in our different spheres of relationships. If we are in the kingdom, we have a role as a servant leader to others. As a light in the world to bring glory to God and lead people to Jesus, in our families, in our work, in our spiritual warfare, and in our church. As servant leaders in Jesus' kingdom, we are to follow his example of sacrifice and be an example of sacrifice to those that we lead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We can't begin to understand the sacrifice that you made so that we can have a relationship with you, but we do praise you and thank you for it. We ask that as we walk with you this week, you would show us opportunities to be the servant leaders that you have commanded us to be, to let our light shine to the world, to our families, to our people at work, in all of our relationships, Father. We pray that you would help us to draw men to you because they see the Lord Jesus in us. We ask that you would guide in the meeting to follow, that you would encourage us as we seek you and your will, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.